think, again, you know, the word pivot is so overused right now. I love everybody's talking about the pandemic pivot. Sounds like a new dance. I wonder what tune I should do that to, right? I'm like, no, it's not a game of Twister. It's a strategy. And so I think right now, if you want to get through this and do more than just survive, then what you're going to do is be very strategic. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was my friend, Alice Hyman. She's the CEO's sales coach, an award-winning blogger and writer, and a really fun speaker to listen to. And she's joining me today on Sales Enablement, episode 789, to talk about how to operate effectively in this dramatically altered sales landscape that we're all facing, both management and sellers. So Alice and I are going to dig into why managers need to go the extra mile to keep their sales teams intact and what the penalties will be for you if you get stuck behind the learning curve as your markets begin to open up. We'll also get into why sellers need to stay super connected with their customers, and Alice will provide some recommendations on just how to do that. And we're going to have a discussion about sales coaching and why Alice believes the sales managers need to spend 80% of their time coaching their salespeople. All this and much, much more. But before we get to Alice, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. And if you haven't already connected with me on LinkedIn, please do. That's at linkedin.com slash in slash Paul. That's right, Paul. Beware of the fake Andy Pauls out there. All right, let's jump into it. Alice Hyman, welcome back to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. We have so much to talk about. We do. We do. Um, first of all, how are you holding up? Really well, actually. I live in one of the most beautiful places. Um, some of you might know that I live in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. So I'm at 5,300 feet in the mountains, really close to Lake Tahoe. So I have a lot of beautiful places to get outside and take a walk or uh, you know, just sit in nature. So that's really helping me a lot. Huh. Do you have a guest room? <laughs> I do indeed. Now, if you know the secret password, you can actually get into that guest room. Uh, okay, we'll talk about that afterwards. Uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> as I told you, we're getting ready to escape from New York. So, yeah, the mountains. Yeah, this would be the right place. Yeah, come on down. I love it here. You will love it here. It is absolutely gorgeous. Love the Tahoe area. Okay, so. Yeah, sorry, I have to lead off with just sad news yesterday about one of our colleagues passing away. Bar for those oh, people who gosh. in the sort yeah. of follow what happens in the sales space, our friend Barbara Giamanco passed away. It's very sad. Um, I just, I, I really have no words. It was so sudden and unexpected and such a wonderful human being who really just, her goal was to lift others up and she mm-hmm. did that. And she was such a huge proponent for encouraging women to come into the sales profession. And she was such a great promoter of women in sales and just a lovely human being. And she will be sorely missed. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very warm, very genuine, very generous. Um, yeah, always enjoyed having her on this show or being on hers or talking to her. Um, 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Um, so your clients are mostly sort of small, mid-sized companies. How are they holding up in the midst of this pandemic? Yeah, it's interesting. So most of my clients are under a hundred million dollars in revenue. So mm-hmm. you know that's still considered a small company, right? And it's it's all over the board. I have three clients who were heavily, heavily impacted in a negative way. One sold uh, some software items to the healthcare space, specifically hospitals and large hospital groups. And although their software is dynamic and amazing, uh, the hospitals already have to report the thing that the software helps report. So it's not a you know, absolutely needed item at this time when hospitals are just focused on procuring really needed items. So they sure. uh, got very heavily impacted, although they're doing a great job of, of staying in touch with the pe- people that, you know, they're selling to. And, and I know it'll come back, but that really put a damper on things for them. And Yeah, I was going to say one of the ironies that people don't understand is, is you know, the big city hospitals, as well as all hospitals, but especially the ones that, like here in New York, that were you know filled to capacity with people uh, suffering from COVID nineteen, is is they were losing so much money, hundreds yes. of millions of dollars a yes. month because doctors weren't seeing patients, they weren't doing elective surgeries, they weren't doing all the things that hospitals do in order to make right. money. Um, so yeah, I can imagine trying to sell into that environment where the only thing they're buying are you know. PPE is is pretty pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So you know they're hanging in there. They were a company that's been around for over thirty years. Really smart CEO. So uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna make it through this. But they were obviously very heavily impacted. I had two clients in the um, promotional goods industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know their livelihood is trade shows and events and events yeah, and company stores. <laughs> and so, you know, people not coming into their offices, big companies like Google and Facebook and Microsoft who have these huge company stores, nobody's coming in. So mm-hmm. no items to restock. And then, um, events and trade shows canceled. And then anything that is non-essential like, you know, t-shirts and hats and fun things that have your logos on them, non-essential. So yeah, they were hit really hard. One of my clients uh, was in a state where everything non-essential was completely closed down and they had a facility where they brought goods in from China and uh, they got completely shut down. So I think they've laid off like 30% of their workforce and they had people on the ground in China that they, they had to lay a lot of them off. And hmm. uh Again, really smart CEO, 60-year-old company. He purchased it from his dad. They pivoted as fast as they could to PPE items, mm-hmm. personal protection equipment, and were able to procure that and get that out. But still, they they lost so much uh, business. But But they're hanging in there. I mean, it's so amazing to watch these smart CEOs pivot and figure out how they're going to survive and not just survive, but even some of them are going to really thrive. So, yeah, I mean, the rest of my clients are sort of in that middle place where they're doing okay, uh, not heavily impacted. 
Um, but I also don't work with anybody in one of those industries that's absolutely booming right now. So I haven't, well, I haven't seen that firsthand. Yeah. I mean, that's, there aren't many. <laughs> you know, Zoom, obviously. But, but yeah, Zoom. Yeah, unless you're a company that sells uh, into companies that are trying to make that transition to remote work, it's, you know, it's tough. And even then, it's still hard. Um, but I, one of the things that strikes me, I wonder what your take is on this, is that so often it seems like a lot of what's published, and we'll just use LinkedIn as sort of the standards, and so much is published on LinkedIn, is that um, it, uh, this, sort of unreal, this air of unreality about a lot of the advice people are putting out um, in the sales space in particular. It's like, you know, it's okay to be a, a cheerleader, I guess, but on the other hand, you also face facts. You know, we're going to be running into the fall probably with close to 20% unemployment in the country. The economy, you know, the real impact of this on the economy is still to come. Um, people need good advice about what to do to refocus, to pivot, to survive. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's just like I you know, get sort of frustrated reading some of the stuff because it's like, yeah, you know, cheerleading people to make more calls, great, but that's not the whole story. It is very frustrating to see some of the advice out there. Making more calls. Oh, yeah. Sending more emails. Oh, who wants another email in their inbox? Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, salespeople do need to keep selling, but they absolutely do need to do things differently than they have in the past. And really, for me, it's not about what sales is doing. It's about what leadership is doing right now. So the CEOs and the leadership teams have had their heads down trying to get a PPP, a payroll protection, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, payroll protection plan right. and trying to get the idle loans and trying to get anything else the SBA can offer. So their heads down with their CFOs working on all of that, uh, trying to get those loans. They're trying to cut costs. They're trying to decide how long they can go before they're going to have to lay more people off. They're looking you know, at everything about the finances, which of course they should, but you can never cost cut your way to success. Well, you yeah, preempted one of my comments I had here. I mean, I, it seems to me like the number one challenge for CEOs is that they need to do whatever they can do to keep their sales teams intact. Yes. And because I've seen this before in multiple recessions before, to your point is, yeah, let's let's cut costs or we're going to cut sales. It always brings to mind this this cartoon I saw in The New Yorker. I think it was right about the time of the, the Great Recession in 2008, 2009, showed up a guy standing up in front of a boardroom making a presentation and pointing at a graph on a flip chart that showed, you know, this downward trend. And he says... Uh, yeah, sales have been like this since we fired the sales team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that is so painful. Uh, so painful. I, I think that uh, CEOs and company leaders right now really need to stop looking at today and tomorrow and next week. I mean, okay, now you've got your loans. You figured out your cost-cutting measures, your worst-case scenarios. You should have got that all done by now, right? You would think, right? After 10 weeks. Yeah. It's time to look up and look ahead and start to think about what's going to happen third quarter, fourth quarter, first quarter 2021, and really start preparing for that. And think about 
what you're going to need to support sales in this environment in order for them to do their job. What is marketing going to have to do? What's customer success going to have to do? What's what's the onboarding going to look like? How are we going to attract new customers? How is our value proposition going to be different? Your message, There's a absolutely. much bigger, bigger picture here. And salespeople themselves, along with their sales leaders, cannot fix this or change this. It has to happen at the top of the organization. They need to pivot their strategy and explain it to everyone and then put the pieces in place that are going to make them successful. Because just doing more of what you were doing before is not cutting it. Yeah, I mean, I compare oftentimes when you see CEOs sort of do the knee-jerk reduction of, of force, especially if they're sales sellers, it's to me it's sort of analogous to trying to like market time when you think the market's going to crash you know hey i'm gonna go all to cash and then you miss the upside (laughs) yeah and i know some people who did that (laughs) yeah (laughs) it wasn't wasn't (laughs) so smart right so yeah as manager you have to sort of keep in mind that there's a lead time involved in this and so if you're trying to time when i need to hire somebody yeah they have a learning curve they get up to speed if you've let your team go and you're trying to hire new people to replace them you're going to pay a big penalty. And I, I think oftentimes CEOs just don't keep that in mind is that, yeah, there's there's a real cost to letting someone go. Right. And sometimes they're letting people go because they really just don't know what their sales team should be doing right now. And again, that's take a step back and make a plan with your team. Get a new strategy. Things are going to be different. People are going to have to react differently, do different things. You, it's just... Letting people go, not a good idea. Plus, I'll tell you, if your best salespeople right now, if they're smart, they are looking at the companies that are thriving, that have a positive attitude, that are using the right approach to the market, that have pivoted. They're watching, they're looking, and there are recruiters knocking on their door right now. Mm-hmm. So if you want to keep your best salespeople, you need to have a good strategy overall for your company's success and for how you're going to retain those great salespeople and what they're going to be doing and how you're going to support what they're doing. Because I, I tell you right now, I've talked to many salespeople who are looking around right now. They're looking to go to companies who really care about their sales teams who are supporting sales, who are pivoting, who are making new ways of doing things and really focused on customers and their success. You know, the customer retention thing, you've probably been reading about that too. Mm -hmm. It's like, why is this a new idea? Oh, because there's a pandemic. We should retain our customers. (laughs) (laughs) This is a new idea. You're killing me, people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we got a bigger conversation on a different topic, which is, yeah, I think how we should just blow up the way we manage and implement sales now and start all over marketing as well. Because yeah, a couple of years ago I was listening to this guy talk and he, he said, you know, he really boiled down to there's a company has two functions, acquire customers, retain customers. And so why don't we just organize everything around that? (laughs) Those functions. So what would, what would sales and marketing look like if their function was, Acquire. You said acquire. Not sales, not marketing. Acquire customers. 
if we put the focus on the customer, we always win. So it's how do we acquire customers by helping them do something that they really want to do that's going to make their business better or it's going to stop a problem that they have so that they can make their business better or it's going to stop some bleeding so they can make their business better. Mm -hmm. And in any and all cases, whatever you can provide to support them, it's going to make the world better. So uh, if, imagine if we focused on that, but you know, then, then everybody who's not in sales says, Oh no, our primary, our primary uh, focus is on building a superior product. Yes, you could say that, but why do you build a superior product so that you can acquire customers? <laughs> so um, customers. back to that, it just depends whose opinion or whose point of view you're looking at, but yeah, we got to acquire and retain customers. And the entire company must be focused around that. And I just see so many companies that are not. All right, we'll have to make that a separate separate episode because we're going to. I still a couple questions about <laughs> how how <laughs> somebody should should navigate through this this particular issue time point in time is is and oftentimes people think, well, we're going into a recession, everything's going to suck, and the fact is, everything doesn't suck, right? I mean. Yeah, we could see, we're going to see a really significant hit to GDP. It's not going to be like a normal recession where we're dropping, you know, a point and a half or something. It's going to be a substantially larger drop uh, in the second quarter. But nonetheless, it'll probably be, you know, obviously better in the third and the fourth is there's always opportunities in right. a recession. I mean, there are, you know, you have customers, your existing customers, but maybe they have problems that are made worse by the recession. So how can you help them solve that? Maybe there's a subset of customers you haven't really targeted that, again, the problems become more acute during a recession that they need to solve. They can't wait until the recession's over to solve them. You just have to get creative and strategic about that. Yeah, I think, again, you know, the word pivot is so overused right now. I love everybody's talking about the pandemic pivot. Sounds like a new dance. I wonder what mm. tune I should do that to, right? Um, I'm like, no, it's not a game of Twister. It's a strategy. And so I think right now, if you want to get through this and do more than just survive and cost cut and hang in there, then what you're going to do is be very strategic. You may look at new markets that you haven't served before. You may look at serving the same markets in a different way or with a different product. So you may look at product development. You may look at merging with another company that together you could be better. Or maybe now is a really good time for you to acquire another company or two or three and bring them together, reduce overhead, gain more clients and more products. So, so again, the leadership of the company, the sales team can't make those decisions, right? No. The sales team can go execute the strategy you provide. So the, the leadership team has to get together and decide, all right, first of all, let's remember why we exist. You know, as Simon Sinek always talks about the why, right? Why do we exist? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that, has that changed? You know, why? Why do we exist? Okay, if the why is the same, and it usually is, then you go to the what and how. So what do we do and how do we do it? If our why stays the same and we're passionate about it, 
and we all believe in it and can get our team to believe in it, then we just say, well, we still have the same why, but now we're going to change our what and our how. So let me, let me share that vision with you so that you can come along for this ride and together we can all thrive. That's what I believe has to happen right now. And when the sales team can buy into this and still understand that we haven't changed things completely, we're, we still have the same why, but we're going we're gonna to do these things differently. And here's how we're going to do them. And here's how we're going to support you. Then the sales team can get on board and really go do what you want them to do. Well, I think there's also an issue that, or not an issue, challenge, let's say, is that yeah, it's a perfect time as you're looking to some things you were talking about is, yeah, what are the opportunities that could potentially exist for us? And it could be, yeah, problems we're going to solve that get worse during a recession or our customers have these that become more acute. Or I think the biggest opportunity of all is, is you know, what can we do that supports sort of the inevitable structural changes that come about as a result of COVID-19, which, you know, like... It could be how buildings are built, how you facilitate and structure and build out offices. I mean, we could, you know, it, it goes all and up and down yeah, the chain. Open right? workspace is going away. There's no more yeah. such thing as open workspace anymore. That's gone. But it has <laughs> has impact up and down the supply chain for. So I think there's a huge amount of opportunity again about being strategic to say, all right, well, what role can we play in that? What do we think it's going to be? We don't know for sure, but what do we think it's going to be? The impact is going to be with a you know, reasonable chance of, of it taking place. You know, sort of find where the money's going and follow the money. Right, um, right. And this, this, this sort of plays back this idea is that, and Anthony Yanarino, our friend, talked about this in some blogs he's written recently, is like helping the economy get back started um, and come back, that's a purpose, right? There's a purpose we all have as sellers because sellers make, they start it all, right? Nothing happens till an order gets taken is I think you can animate your sales team with a sense of purpose. That's to the point you're making about you know getting everybody on board with the vision. If the vision has this idea of helping, I think it makes a big difference. I think it does, especially right now. People are feeling kinder and more compassionate, and we should capitalize on that. <laughs> no, no. Have you been on Facebook recently? <laughs> I'm not sure that's the case. Well, but yeah. <laughs> no. I actually, on purpose, I have not. And maybe yeah. that is not where the kinder, gentler world is happening. I agree with you. In general, I think there's, yeah, Americans are great. In general, and I think in sales, salespeople understand the conversation has to change. I just did a talk on that with the women sales pros uh, earlier this week. We uh, did a learning series, and that was, you know, that was what I was talking about, how the conversation has to change. So I think that um, if we get together with other smart CEOs, right? That aren't necessarily our competitors, but in complementary industries and things and talk about what they see and what they're hearing. And we, you know, pool that information. Then I think we're going to be better able to define a strategy that leads that direction. I mean, let's think about it. The furniture industry, they're going to do great because if people do decide to send their workers back to an office building, the infrastructure they have internally is no longer going to be going to work. Like I said, the open workspace is gone. So now you're going to have to buy something to divide people up, keep them apart a little bit more. You're going to have to change things. So 
that industry is going to innovate and do very well. So how do you support that industry? Yeah. Parts, or maybe you're a marketing firm that can support them by helping them promote their things. I mean, there we have to look at, you know, again, where is it going? Like you said, and then figure out how we're going to fit into that. And we may have to do more changing than we expected to, to fit into it, but we can do it. The thing that worries me the most is CEOs who are sort of like taking off in a direction because they want to hurry up and do something without thoroughly thinking it through. Mm-hmm. And maybe that isn't really the best direction. And that's why I say, you know, like gather some great minds, um, you know, in the room somehow, get, get a mastermind group, join something like Vistage or EO or WPO, you know, get where the other smart CEOs are gathering and talk together about it so you don't go off in a direction that, oh, sounded good for a second and a half, and I just spent all this time and money, and it turns out it's not really a good direction. So I think it's going to take people really coming together and talking and having conversation and maybe even, you know, disagreeing a little bit. And, mm-hmm. but. But, you know, just really talking through what is it going to look like in the future? Well, and that's the question I wanted to ask you for, to speculate, is, okay, what is sales going to look like? B2B sales, we'll talk about, you know, it's, it's, we got field teams that are inside. So, it makes a lot of sense for them to go back out at some point. But I was talking about this with somebody recently, is, is it going back out the same way? I mean... First of all, customers have to be willing to let you in, right? <laughs> because they're right. safe and health, <laughs> safety and health of, of their workers. And yeah, it's it's like all the offices are going to have plexiglass barriers when you walk in. I'm sure. Um, you know, if you're a salesperson, it's just going to be so different, right? Are they going to want to be face to face, or are they going to say, "Well, you know, I'm actually more comfortable if we just keep on doing Zoom." Now, it's interesting. Your thoughts on on those type of things. Yeah. Well, um, I feel like I'm so unsure, but here's, here's what I think is going to happen. I mean, it's just really hard to guess. Oh, I know. I know. We're not going to hold you to it. Yeah, no, no, no. It's okay. I believe that people do want to be with other people. Me too. And as long as they feel safe, they'll do that. So, you know, I, I am big in the events industry also and Mm -hmm. everybody you know, I'm listening to everything and learning from everyone what they believe is going to happen. There's a whole group that's gotten together, a consortium to lobby with, you know, to lobby the legislature and whoever else they're lobbying to let these big events come back. And, um, you know, people do want to gather. They want to see you one-on-one. They want to see you uh, face-to-face in big groups and small groups. They want to network. True. But here's a few things that I think are actually really awesome that have kind of come out of this. So, for example, live events, some people simply just cannot attend. Um, Either their company won't pay for it, they have no one to take care of their family, Um, they are afraid to fly. I mean, for a bazillion reasons, there are a lot of people who cannot attend live events. So now when we put that same content online 
and do it really well and provide the networking and all those other things, there is a whole group of people we were never able to reach before that we can now reach. They still may stay quietly there and not do the networking and stuff because maybe they didn't go to the event because they're an introvert or something else like that, but they still get now uh, to have that opportunity to take in that content, which they didn't have that opportunity before. Um, For whatever reason, they didn't attend. Now they can attend. So you have all the people who would have attended live, plus all the people who didn't attend when it was in person. So that's a huge opportunity. In the same way, I think with um, selling to in the complex sale, I had the opportunity to go visit on site and maybe see some things that I couldn't see before. But I can they can still give me a virtual tour. And in a complex sale, there are lots of different people I need to meet with and get to know and build relationships with and understand and know their wins and all of that. And they might have been globally dispersed. So um, it was sort of unequal because I would go visit one location and get to see some of those people, but I wouldn't get to see the others. They would have to dial in anyway, either right. on a conference call or whatever. Now everybody's on equal footing. We're all globally dispersed and on the same online meeting. Right. So uh, I have more of a chance, I feel, you know, to be equally building a relationship with all of them because it's more equal footing. I'm not here in this location and I got to go golf with these three, but the four who aren't at that location got left out of that because they didn't fly in for that meeting. You see what I'm saying? Well, but I also see it that, that, yes, I do, is that, that the you still, though, would want to go out and meet with the people you could meet with if, you, yeah. if it's possible. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I do. If they'll let you in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I think one of the transitions for, for sales teams is, and that, this is true actually for teams that are almost exclusively inside, is they have to embrace this concept of judicious travel, right? And, and which mm-hmm. means we have to make decisions about which opportunities and at what time and what stage of the process that it makes sense for us to go be present because that's going to make a difference. If we do it the wrong time, it's not going to make a difference. If we do it the right time, it makes a difference. And it wouldn't necessarily be, we're only going to do it when we've got the final bake-off presentation and everybody's in there, we're competing in a final competitive. It may be a different stage, but they need to find out when that works for them and not be afraid to, to do that. But again, doesn't mean doesn't mean you turn your team loose and say, as some companies have, and say, yeah, you just want you in the field, be in front of your customers, because yeah, you can do a lot of that virtually now. You can actually do more of it, perhaps just as effectively to a certain degree. But at some point, go visit them. Yeah, I think it just needs to be more of a balance. So the customers are going to be more willing now. I think also to meet with you online than saying you have to show up in person because what they recognize is they can get the information and the treatment and whatever it is that they want online as well as they can get it in person. So I think the customer is going to be more willing. I think we can be much more profitable in many ways that I won't get into at the moment, but especially with having salespeople change the way they travel. And so I agree with you. There's some times when they're going to need to show up and be there in person. 
But I also think they have learned and are still learning to do a better job online. Mm -hmm. So before salespeople would just only pick up the phone on, they wouldn't, if they were doing an online meeting, they wouldn't turn on the cameras. They didn't know how to turn on the camera. (laughs) They didn't know how to do an online presentation. Now, most outside salespeople and the inside salespeople are learning to do a much better job using all these wonderful tools we have to communicate via video, uh, to use video email messaging, to use uh, Zoom and other tools like that to have a meeting and to prepare presentations that are interactive online Mm -hmm. so that they can do a better job. So I think that's one of the wonderful things that's come out of this. Everybody's having to learn how to be in front of a camera and how to present in front of a camera and how to uh, make a, a presentation that's interesting to, to deliver online. So now they'll know how to do both and they'll do both effectively so we can be more choosy about we, when we spend money to go out to be with customers and we can maybe even spend our time with customers differently because we can do some of the work online and then some other different kind of work when we're in person together. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I do believe, though, still, it's going to be longer than people think before uh, companies will let you into their office again. Mm-hmm. You know, because not everybody has a thermo scanning device set up at their door <laughs> ready to take your temperature before you walk in. Um, well, so they might be nervous about that, and they may be only having half of their team in the office at a time. Or, well, the company will be nervous. The company will be nervous about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Everybody's going to be nervous. If I send you back out to the It's field, a liability issue. They're concerned exactly. about somebody coming in. They don't know. They could be spreading to their workforce with decimate their workforce. That's, it's it's great. Liability on both sides. If I send you out to get on an airplane and go somewhere and you get COVID, am I now responsible for that? You know, so um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. So I think we just need to keep our team focused, our sales teams focused on more and better ways to um, engage uh, their audience online and through video and with better and better presentations. I watched the best presentation on virtual presentations uh, corporate Visions mm-hmm. uh, provided that. I love Corporate Visions. They they put out really great content. And there was a neuroscience gal who was sharing how you can not just get your prospects' attention in an online presentation, but how to sustain their attention. And she had lots of great ideas on how people can do that. And that's the kind of thing we need to be teaching our sales teams right now. Well, any tips from the presentation? Yes. Um, one of the presentation tips was to put fewer things on a slide, which salespeople are sure. notorious for piling it in. And then um, to get the eye to go to the thing you're most interested in, you can either use an annotation tool or um, an automation to zoom in on that thing that you want people to look at. And then when you're done with that, zoom in on the next thing. So you're directing their eye by using an annotation tool or an automation tool of some type, or just simply only having that one thing on the slide. Mm -hmm. Um, The other is to let the audience interact in different ways. Of course, we know about polls, 
but you could also let them draw on a slide with the annotation tool. And you can also say something to them like, now just get a piece of paper and I want you to draw three boxes. And, and so you're actually giving them something to do. And then you're going to show them on the next slide, you know, what that would look like. Or you can say, uh, look at this slide and draw this on the paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll fill these things in. So it was just giving you ideas to be more interactive. There was a ton of uh, other great stuff in there as well. Um, I can get the link for everybody and share that. Yeah. No, it's very interesting because that's, I think we're going to find, and we're seeing some of this already, uh, article in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago about actually, you know, sort of the Zoom fatigue people get sort of watching. Oh, and yeah. The inability to really pick up some of the verbal and physical cues that even though we're, we're watching, um, just given the signal quality and some of the, the way things get missed through the, the encoding and so on, is that um, they were saying, they, a number of experts in this LinkedIn article, saying that if you had to choose, sort of prioritize the way to communicate, you know, obviously face-to-face is still the most effective, but actually the phone is more effective than Zoom. And that you can actually, if you're really paying attention to the phone, you can actually hear nuance that gets sort of smoothed over on Zoom. I thought it was really sort of interesting. Yeah, I I agree with that, and and I think that what we have to learn to do on Zoom is turn it turn the video on and off. So we turn the video on, ex, uh, you know, exchange pleasantries, right? Mm-hmm. Turn the video mm-hmm. off, focus on the slide deck. You know, the, the video doesn't have to be on the whole time. So again, we're just learning more and more effective ways. But you're right. When when you're worried about uh, looking at the video and, you know, you're looking at yourself and like, ah, you know, you're trying to look at all these different people. And it's hard when you're in person, you take away that aspect of having to look at yourself. So that, you know, is an extra added thing, right? And you can just look at the other people. But yeah. you know, when you think about if I if I'm in a conference room with you and I are doing the selling and we're in a conference room with eight uh buying influences, we've got to, you know, d- divide our attention amongst the eight and mm-hmm. keep our eye on them and look at their body language and think about what they're doing as well as listen to them and make sure they're all included as well. And that takes a lot of skill. And then do then doing that online, you know, that's tough. that's tough as well. You've got to learn some new skills to go with that. But either way, when you've got multiple people on, I was going to say you really can't see the body language when you're seeing something just from the shoulders up, which you do with most people. It's that, hard. It virtually impossible, right? And that's it's hard. That's, yeah. I mean, so unless we change, we want people to stand in front of the cameras. But <laughs> to your point too is. Is yeah, another drawbacks of Zoom is that yeah, somebody quoted me a statistic. I presume, you know, some validity to it, I don't know, but it sounds about right. Is is you spend roughly a third of a Zoom call looking at yourself. Yes. And that is very fatiguing. <laughs> well, yeah, especially with my hair, especially <laughs> with my hair so long, but but <laughs> but right. Yeah, contra- contrast that with a phone call. You're not spending any time really thinking about yourself or looking at yourself or an in-person meeting you're don't have you're not missing that 30%. What do you miss in that 30%? Right? The 30% of the time you're yeah. looking at yourself, what are you missing that you wouldn't otherwise be normally missing? 
you are missing a lot. That's for sure. So again, that's why, you know, sometimes a phone conversation is, is the right thing to do. And sometimes a Zoom conversation and sometimes, you know, the video should be just turned off so everybody can just pay attention to listening. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, it's a good, good, good point. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of other changes, I think, that are come about that, like I said, we can't even begin to project. I mean, if, if just, what are you going to do about meetings and conference rooms? You know, until there's a, a vaccine in wide, wide circulation, um, everybody's going to have their own level of comfort about those things. And in some cases, it's just not going to be conducive to the types of meetings you want with the customers. Right. That's right. It, it's going to be very different. So I don't know exactly how, but we're going to have to learn to relate to our prospects in different ways that we haven't before. And we're going to have to recognize that, you know, as much fear and worry and, or excitement or whatever it is that we're feeling, right. These people we're trying to sell to have their whole bundle of emotions that they're dealing with too. And it's, it's, you know, for me, selling's always, it's always emotional. Doesn't matter who you are, the CEO or the CFO mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. A director, it's always emotional. But now we have all these extra emotions on top of it that we have to deal Fear. with. And I think we have to start training our salespeople in psychology. I think they really need to understand human beings better, understand themselves better and yes. Yes. what emotions they're emitting, and then understand how to pick up better on the emotions that others are emitting. Yeah, I think the the big thing that that people are going to have to adjust to is there's going to be this level of fear and anxiety that's going to dictate actions that are going to seem unusual. And yes. yeah, you may want to come and do a face to face meeting, and there's four key stakeholders, but two just aren't ready to to be in a small room with somebody presenting, and you have to respect that and that's have, right. have empathy for that, and you know because everybody's going to feel. I said their own level of comfort. Yeah, I know what mine is. I'm sure it's different than other people's. You know, yeah. I'm going to wear a mask until there's a vaccine. Um, but yeah, that's just me. Um, so, but I know it's going to be, it's going to have an impact on getting together physically for sure and um, have an impact on the way companies come back to work. And we're already seeing, you know, most of the major tech companies saying they're out till. 2021 at the earliest and something like Twitter saying we're just out. Right. Right. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to all these big campuses and tall buildings Mm -hmm. that used to be filled with people sitting really close to each other. (laughs) Um, It's going to be very different. Real estate is going to change. Well, yeah, it's sort of interesting that I was reading an article here in the New York times and, talking just about that topic specifically is that several of the major wall street firms are questioning whether as many people will come back i think some were talking about maybe maybe only two-thirds as many people will need to come back as as they had before the shutdown but you just think of the the trickle-down effect in terms of available real estate space and perhaps more importantly and very sensitive to it here in manhattan because at street level in Manhattan, it's basically small business, you know, retail, right. bodegas, restaurants, and so on. That are all closed now. But if you know a third is <laughs> a third of the people that were here before don't come back, that's a huge impact on on all those people, not just landlords, but all the all the merchants as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's gonna it yeah. 
I mean, many of them will go out of business. They're going to have to find another way or different way. I mean, delivery service obviously is, you know, the new, <laughs> the new restaurant. Everybody's well, want to see in business. You're going to have to deliver. But the other, the other point that article made though, was that we're making these projections and thinking, you know, so the world's coming to an end and some of these, these instances perhaps. And I said, look, yeah, what happened after nine 11 is we've, who would envision 20 years ago that we'd all be spending this much amount of time going through these various security checks and, you know, still able to travel. Right. Um, and other adjustments we made security wise and physical security and so on and in buildings. And I think it's a, a point you know worth considering is is we know sales is going to change it is changed it has changed um what the end state is going to be we don't know yet has changed you are 100 percent right and if you haven't changed with it your company is going to be in trouble yeah yeah flexibility adaptability all very, very important, more important now than ever. So, well, Alice, we've run out of time. Uh, a pleasure to talk to you as always. And it's always fun. We could talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I even used a few of the questions I prepared, but not many of them. Um, <laughs> so, how can people connect with you and uh, find out more about what you do? They can go to alicehyman.com. And of course, I love to connect on LinkedIn. And you can easily find me there. It's Alice Hyman. Mm -hmm. And please let me know that you heard me here on Andy's show. That'd be great. Yeah, we'd love to know that. Well, good. Well, Alice, stay safe. You, you too. All right. And we'll talk to you before too long. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank Alice Hyman for sharing her insights and energy with us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to it, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, we'd certainly appreciate it. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this podcast is over. So thanks for your help. Thank you so much for investing in your personal development today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>